on last week's Irrevelations. Moab rebels, and also seemingly unrelated, Ahaziah falls from a balcony and f***s up his back, I guess, or something. He's injured. These 50 guys get there, they find him, and they're like, look, Elijah, first off, you respectfully there's a band of prophets they're like hey elijah have you heard about elijah he's like yeah man shut the f- up i'm aware keep your voice down maybe when god picked him up and flung him to space with a whirlwind maybe he landed somewhere as he's walking by he meets a group of thugs children who are antagonizing him and he feels the need to express force upon them i mean if you can call bears on command to attack your enemies even if your enemies are small children yeah you have my vote Before we turn to the word, I would like to I can't be a big blessing to people if I'm poor and broke and depressed. I don't feel good about myself. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. I believe in a literal burning Bible hell just as strongly as I believe in a beautiful heaven. No, no, no. Not God bless America. The Bible means a lot to me, but I don't want to get into specifics. Pray this simple prayer, Lord, speak to me. I have a prediction to make, and I want to make it on the show, because that way when it comes true, I can point to it. Not that I would ever let anyone know this show existed, technically. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be, that's definitely not going to boost my um, follower cred. Yeah, among friends, what I'm saying is I'll be able to point to this, that I called it. That's funny that you think every podcast listener is your friend. It's actually the opposite. No, I'm saying my friends in real life, (laughs) I will let them hear this episode just so I can prove myself right. That I called it back in 2020. Okay. By the end of this decade, the end of the 20s. Okay. Juneteenth is going to be turned by white people into Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) (laughs) Like it'll be a fucking party? Yeah, like... Black people have been celebrating it happily for a long fucking time, right? Probably since a year probably after since it happened. Yeah, ended. probably the day that it started. They're like, yeah. "This is pretty cool, you guys." Yeah, and there's a lot of like really cool cultural things that go on. Red is a big association. Like they make a lot of red foods and drinks and stuff. I don't know. Oh, I've seen the anti like, blood logo, spilled. Yeah. No, it has to do with like the blood spilled during slavery and stuff. Sure, sure. But sure. the thing is, white people this year are like hey, this is pretty neat. It can give me some street cred if I'm like all about it. And right. I've started to see them start to encroach. I Whatever think. the black version is of tacos and sombreros is what we're exactly. going to see in 10 years. Okay, Dude, I, I, there's going to be that. frat boys like walking around with broken chains and shit. Like, it's going to be <laughs> madness. I'm already so pissed about it. I'm, I'm excited for white people ruining it. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be... I, I, I'm just imagining it like... Because I think Cinco de Mayo at least... I, Whenever you hear about cultural appropriation against Mexicans, it always seems like even Mexicans don't care about our own culture. We don't give a shit. They're like, oh, sure. white people shouldn't be eating tacos. Like, we shouldn't even we be like eating beer. tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like what do we tacos. care? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it'll be funny to have it be like an actual contentious cultural appropriation. <laughs> and also with with Juneteenth being such a somber thing, relatively. I mean, obviously, it is a celebration for right reasons right, but yeah. there's a lot of you know right dark it, stuff there <laughs> dark i feel stuff. like i feel like juneteenth so i only very recently I'll, I'll explain my privilege 
I only like this year even knew what Juneteenth was. I had never really, I don't even think I'd heard of it. It wasn't until I was like talking to like a black coworker about 4th of July. I was like, yeah, we're partying for the 4th of July. You guys do anything? Like, oh, we don't celebrate the 4th. I'm like, you don't celebrate the 4th? What the fuck? Uh-huh. She's like, no, we celebrate Juneteenth. And I was like, I've never even heard of that. Uh, like, what, what what part of uh, War of the Middle East can't you get behind? All right, we got a flag, we get drunk. I, I mean, yes, genocide and Western oppression are yeah, all yeah, part of that. Everything we do is rough. But if we can't but, yeah. drink to that, <laughs> you, you better fucking stand for that flag. But uh, since then, it's become more of the zeitgeist. I, I, I can see it exploding onto the... Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the funny thing is Juneteenth is obviously more honorable of a, a reason to celebrate than the 4th, but uh, it also, you know, let's... Yeah, Come on, white people. Yeah. Come on, it's also, white people. <laughs> I think it's also an interesting thing is that I, I think when you talked about like systemized, systemic oppression and Jim Crow, it, it's like, yeah, we broke free of slavery and then went straight to tenant farmers and racism yeah. and three-fiths of an American. So it's kind of a, I don't know. And, I, and I, imagine worse, it's a bit, I imagine it's deeper than Cinco de Mayo, which even as a Mexican, I have no idea what it stands for. Some battle, I think. Yeah, it's just like one battle. It's not even like yeah. an independence thing. Yeah. It's like Hanukkah. Like we try to hype it up. We try to put it on a pedestal so we have something. But really, if you dug down, it's kind of like, well, who cares? What if now? What if Mexico pretended that Cinco de Mayo was a thing just so like white people would come take it, but secretly? Not you can tell me if it's true. Secretly, like real Mexican people have the actual Independence Day that they celebrate without people white people ruining it. Well, we do have. I mean, I'm saying we. I'm not really. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm a pretty few generations removed from yeah, Mexico. Yeah, I know. I know. But um, but they do have. I'm going to say they. They do have Mexican Independence Day. I don't think it's even that big of a deal. I, I I do think it might have been deep down. I bet if you took a time machine, there's just a bunch of Mexicans sitting around, and be like, "How do we get to fucking move all these maracas?" And the guy's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "I ordered seven thousand maracas, and I can't get rid of these things." Like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. <laughs> I mean, so, that's actually yeah, brilliant. Uh, uh, it is kind of lame to celebrate your Independence Day, though. Anyway, like that's like wearing your great grandfather's Mensa pen around, and it's like Mensa <laughs> sucks anyway. Even if it was yours, it sucks. Right. You right. know why it'd you got like, it's your grandpa's. You fucking loser. <laughs> it'd be like walking around with like a jacket that says FBI, and they're like, "What's that for?" Like my dad was at Waco, and you're like, "Okay, <laughs> my dad killed those kids at Waco." <laughs> I guess that's cool. It's cool that you have the jacket. That is cool. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, fucking tits. It is kind of funny. I mean, the 4th of July. What is the 4th of July? That's not this episode. This episode releases. No, no, no. It'll be the next one will be before the 4th of July. This is the Juneteenth episode. Actually, we'll oh yeah, the fourth is a Saturday, so correct. Yeah, so it'll be so it'll be that weekend. But uh, so the next one will be our Father's Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> what a we stupid, love we we have conflicting day. relationship with our fathers. Uh, I I think it's kind of an interesting. I I, I think it's interesting. I, I thought it was interesting to compare July fourth to Juneteenth, and I really had no idea. That the more I think about, it, I'm like, yeah, it's July fourth is kind of fucked up, but I. I I do think we're kind of healing as society. It's fine. I like that they're talking about converting uh, Columbus, Ohio to Flavortown, Ohio. I think that'll be. <laughs> what? Does someone, is that, did you come I, up with it's like a, it's, it's like a, peti- no, I didn't come up with it. Oh, there's like, like a, a, there's like a petition, you know, like yeah. any other dumb, stupid fucking petition. Yeah. Although I think Flavortown is more appropriate than Columbus, Ohio. Now I'm yep. from Dayton, Ohio. I spent some time in Dayton, Ohio and fuck Columbus, Ohio. Don't, it doesn't every city in Ohio objectively suck though yeah yeah i mean dayton is just you know famous for its shootings but 
Cincinnati and Columbus are both kind of shitty. Yeah, yeah. I always figured Dayton was just like a less ethnic Daytona. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I can either confirm or deny. Um, but it's funny. Uh, but yeah. I, I, a lot I think of it's uh, a lot of astronauts. We'll give them that, right? Yeah. Isn't that their thing? Ohio. Ohio does have a lot of astronauts. Like it's, all the astronauts come from Ohio. It's so fucking boring that you want to yeah. leave the goddamn planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I remember being in school, and they're like, "Let's talk about the Hopi Indians and shit." I was like, "Fuck this whole planet! I will. I'm just clawed at a tree." And they're like, "Get down here!" I was like, "There's got to be a better way." <laughs> uh, Ohio. Uh, fuck Dayton, Ohio. Anyway, uh, is it? Should we talk let's about just, the Bible? Let's just get in the Bible. Let's, I feel like we're really meandering here. Bang uh, it out. Welcome, one and all, to the Revelations podcast. We are the people that read the Bible so you don't have to. I'm Grant Voiced. And I'm Cole Deluski. And we're on chapter, episode rather, 91. Yeah. Big 9-1. How old did, uh, how old was Reagan when he died? Not young enough. <laughs> all right well i guess that doesn't answer my question or provide any useful content but <laughs> so there's, there's i think that he suffered a sort of brain death right around his presidency he was known for being pretty dementia i'll tell you I I, he i think he went brain dead um when in his governorship when he signed yeah. all those anti-gun uh, legislation oh, to you mean the anti-black down. panther yeah the anti-black panther laws that's when we should have known that was that was his uh, bump stock ban of the heyday. <laughs> it appears that he was like 93. Reagan leading a long line of liberal governors fucking yep. up the state of California. He, he made it what it is. He made it uh, California. Yeah. Um, they don't say that enough. No, they don't. When I see so, your dad next, I'm going to be like, Reagan, you mean California piece of shit, Reagan? <laughs> Holly weird. He doesn't belong uh, on the dime. That's true. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyways, uh, episode 91, we're still in 2nd Kings. Well, only our second episode in 2nd Kings. And uh, yeah, we're picking up in, in chapter 3 of 2nd Kings. I'm excited about this one, actually. Should be. Should be. We're, 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 we're moving along. I think the first... I, I feel like Elijah was okay. Uh, fine. Um I get that he kind of is the biblical equivalent of, like, old man yelling at kids to get off the lawn, you know? Okay. Uh, I think of Elijah as, like, uh, early days Bill Cosby, just telling people to, like, pick up their pants, son, and stop with all that rap music, you know? Yeah, no nonsense. Yeah, no nonsense. We might find out some other things about that person, but at least that part we can get behind the um, the Uncle Tom aspect of it. Yeah, okay. uh, Happy Juneteenth. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Bill Cosby... <laughs> Anyway, so Elijah had his day in the sun, and now it's time for Elisha to kind of, like, make a name for himself. Yeah, Elijah went out, you know, with the cyclone situation, zipped up into the, zip, zop, zooped up into the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, chapter three, what's going on? Um, shit, what even had happened? The last thing that happened was Elisha was being mocked by small children. And right. sicked a bear on them. Rather, let's God not. Did. Can we? I, I understand your liberal bias to call them children. Let's call them what they are: thugs. Yes, uh, thugs indeed. I think all children are really thugs, which is why John Wayne Gacy is a personal hero of mine. Yeah, 
Just uh, dealing out street justice. Just filling the walls with little thugs. A lot of people <laughs> like to give Jodway Gacy shit, but yeah. we don't know what those kids were doing. Maybe they made fun of his bald spot. Maybe it Maybe was cool. They didn't like clowns. Yeah. The capital sin. So uh, what's happening now? Joram, Ahab's son. Now, this is the second son of Ahab to take over. If you remember, Ahaziah took over at one point, but... He died and didn't have kids, so now Joram's running the show up north in Israel. Down south, Jehoshaphat is still in charge. Old jumping Jehoshaphat, as I like to call him, mm-hmm. nickname I gave him. And um, things are getting interesting. So Joram's weird in that he is perceived as evil by the Bible, as it's written, but really wasn't that big of a piece of shit. So... One of the first things he did was he got rid of all of their false prophets, or false idols, rather. The Baal statues, the Shara poles, all that shit. The Bible says he's still fucked up because he followed the sin of Jeroboam. Let's talk about that. So, I, I think there, there's a distinction. Um, I, is well, Jer- I Jeroboam's his grandfather, right? Jeroboam is like his yeah grand, great-grand. I think, actually, even one of the... It's, it's not even the same lineage. I think it's one of the. It's like the son of Nabat, and then he's a different yeah. lineage. It's yeah, yeah, because they they wiped out Jeroboam's lineage. But I I think the context is that from kings they gradually worse and worse and worse. But we have kind of a spiral. Like they get worse, they get a little bit better. They get even more worse. They get a little bit better. Kind of a one step forward, two steps back type thing. Yeah. Um, but Jeroboam instituted golden calves, which was still blasphemous, but at least it was kind of Jewy. And then this is full on Baal worship was his actual father. So he's like, okay, let me get rid of some of the negative things, but let's keep some of the bad. You know, it's like, um, it's like, it's like, okay, you're the South. You got rid of slavery. That's fine. But we're still going to keep a little bit of uh, the uh, vigilante justice against black people who get too uppity type thing. Sure, sure. Um, What I was both bad. I want to state. Yes, no, I got it. That's the point of your analogy. Thank you. So what I want to point out is that uh, from my reading, the sin of Jeroboam they're talking about isn't necessarily a golden calf, which, yes, he did. It's that he established a temple with a priesthood that was not Levite in lineage. So this is basically that, yeah, Jeroboam, or sorry, uh, Joram is now reestablishing a temple that worships the air quotes, one true God, but because it's not the real one in Jerusalem, it's a shoddy knockoff. You know, he's a Methodist instead of a Baptist or whatever. Yuck. Uh, everyone wants to flip shit. So it's really like he's basically trying to do the right thing as far as I can tell. I mean, God is the one that made these two nations out of the one. Yeah, he like felt he, like split them up. This. He made these people. And these people are all king because God made them kings. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, Jer- uh, Jerome is, I think, doing his best. Like you want a temple in your country, obviously. I am. Um, I got into a fight on Facebook about religion again. I've been getting just. Oh, I, I've I've started speaking up. I don't know. I just think it's funny. But one of the some, I was violence. I was I was shitting on people in their religion, of course. And one of the guy was like, "Maybe this will like uh, clear it up for you." And they put me on this YouTube um, binge watch about like people explaining the Bible. And one of the takes that I'd never heard before, I mean, maybe maybe we would have thought of it, but one of the takes was like, yes, God, there was the evil judges and the evil kings, and yes, they were all wicked, but God was just working with what he had. you know. And I was like, that's a weird take. It's weird yeah. to assume like God, with all his 
uh, infinite power and wisdom, there's no real mention of the fact that these are just the best Israel had to offer. It's literally just, here's a guy, God made him king. It just sounds so much more like not give a shit than... It wasn't like God scoured the land and these were the best he could find. It was just there was a guy who happened to have more sheep than other people. He's like, yeah, fine. You got the job. Well, yeah, clearly this is all like revisionist that, oh, these were the man God chose and not the one that was just cool. Yeah, you yeah. Know, or handsome. Hot, or, what, they just all happen to be tall and sexy. Wow. God has yeah. a type. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's cut to another scene. So we know that Joram is, is leading and he's okay, but he's still bad. He's just not as bad. Now, uh, you probably remember a nation called Moab. It's over to the east of the uh, cousins to the Jews in inland empire, sort of mm. over in the desert. So Moab has a king named Mesha who is um, paying to Israel. Moab, Moab has a king named Mesha who is something of a shepherd king, right? They're a very nomadic people at this point. They All they do is raise sheep. They walk around the countryside, I guess. And he is paying tribute to Israel uh, in a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of a hundred thousand rams. So a lot of fucking sheep and a lot of ram's wool. Yeah, I, I guess the implication is that Moab has been sort of kept as a uh, tributary state. Yes, that's and that exactly they what it is. they pay tribute to Israel in the form of tons of lamb, sheep, and wool. Fuck, which is all they have. every year, yeah. which is oppressive. So this is kind of like there's the northern kingdom, Israel, oppressing the south and right. telling them how to do their labor practices. Right, unnecessarily right? so. And I'm sure Moab was like, it's about states' rights. We've got exactly. A, we've got. So, the, the, <laughs> so what we're having is the first war of self determination. As these yeah. Moabs try well, to, I call it the war of northern aggression. <laughs> <laughs> but they, the, the the whole point is that Moab wants to break the shackles of their oppressive regime. Yeah. So it actually is the opposite of the Confederacy. But regardless, Moab has decided they want to stop paying their tribute of lambs and wool to Israel. So they throw off the yokes of oppression and basically declare. Hey, we're not sending you. They don't really come after Israel. They just say we're not sending you bullshit anymore. Yeah, it, it's like when you have like contractors to work on your property, and then you just stiff them on the bill. You're like, uh, you know what? I've decided I'm not paying you guys anymore. That should be illegal. So Joram, King Joram, sends a letter down to Jehoshaphat and Judah and says, "Look, hey, you know these uh, Moabites are rebelling against me. Like, I know we have our differences at times, but." You gonna help me squash this revolt or what? You know, it's kind of like two brothers where uh, they fight and squabble all the time, but once like the kid down the street tries some shit, you know, they both jump him and beat the shit. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, we fight all the time, but the second the neighbor is like, "Ooh, look at my new skateboard," you're like, "No, no, Let's we're go gonna kill this kid, kid and leave yeah, him in a ditch." We're definitely gonna fucking murder him. That's right. So we're gonna, we're uh, gonna cover him with like, some yeah, rocks hey. in a shallow stream. Oh. We're going to cover with some rocks in a shallow stream and just leave him there Yeah, for his mom to find. It works. Uh, Now, this is funny because Ahab did this exact thing to Jehoshaphat, if you remember. Same words almost uh, whenever the Aramaeans were a problem, right? When Syria was a problem. And Jehoshaphat says the exact same thing. He says, yeah, you know. I um I am as you are. My people are uh, your people. My horses are your horses. I, I think Judah's just always down for a scrape. Um, That's right. So yeah, the, the implication is like, hey, I'm having a fight. You know, will you help me? 
And, you know, Judah's like, fine, yeah, I'm always down. You know, you and me are best of friends. It almost feels like, it feels like Israel only comes to Judah when they need something. But Judah legitimately, like, is just always pining after Israel. Be like, yeah, I'm just, just a right. good guy. Yeah, just a good yeah. guy. Just isolated down there, just those two little shitty tribes. Yep. So Joram gets this affirmative message back from Joseph, and he's like, all right, how are we going to attack? And Josephat says, let's do the desert of Edom. It'll be fun, right? Which sounds <laughs> stupid to me. <laughs> let's just march through a desert. Be like, yeah, that does yeah. sound bro. But I guess here's the thing. So there is the desert of Edom between Israel and Moab. Moab, which is interesting because Edom, uh, Edom is also just a completely different tribe. Yeah. I mean, oh, con- yeah. Moab different and nation. the yeah. Moabites and the Ammonites split off from Abraham. Yes. And then it was Jacob is the descendant of Abraham who is, I guess, the son of Isaac who split off into the Edomites and the Jews. Yeah. Well, Mo- Moabites were a lot, I thought, right? Yeah. Lots lot. of people. So yeah. uh, that's that's Abraham's uncle, right? Or nephew? Yeah. Something, like that. something like that. It's all fucking. It's uh, all who gives a shit. It doesn't, it doesn't really go, matter. But yeah, go listen to the lot episode. <laughs> that was like um, a year ago. I don't remember. But the, the point is, is that Moab and Ammonites are technically cousins to the Jews. They're loosely related. Uh, They probably are all Semites. And oddly enough, between them is a fucking desert. So it does kind of stand to reason that Moab's like, you know what? Let's just stop paying this bill. What's he going to do? Drive all the way across a desert to come get us? Right. And that desert is full of... Yeah, the desert's full of Edomites who are Esau's people. Yeah. And notoriously uh, stubborn about their borders. Uh, there's been yes. several instances where the Edomites are like, what? You just want to pass through? Yeah, listen, we're just trying to fight a war with the people on the other side of your board. And he's like, why would you fuck yourself? And he's like, listen up. I will f- I'll fuck you up, New Belgium, whatever the fuck you're going to get. Yeah. And that used to be their stance, but not today. Because sure enough, uh, the king of Israel sets out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. So now there's like a triumvirate little army going on, right? Um, so they march about seven days. And the army uh, runs out of water. Surprise. I guess deserts do that. You run out of water. <laughs> what, in the desert? Yeah, sometimes. Rarely. Yeah. And so uh, Joram calls out. He's like, what? Has, has God called the three of us kings together for us only to just be delivered into the hands of Moab because we're so thirsty? Like He's like, you know, God told me to do this, which, first off, I don't think he did. <laughs> I, I mean, whatever. He's the, king of, it's, he's the king of Judah. He's like, yeah, obviously I'm doing God's will. Everything I do is God's will. Why would I be king if I wasn't true. implicitly the mandate of God? That is true. Um, <laughs> so they're, they're just sitting there uh, dying in the desert. And Jehoshaphat, again... Kind of the good guy in all this. He's the Judah king, the the, the like sweet boys. He's like, uh, you don't have like a a prophet around that we could ask about this. And it's funny because again, this is exactly what he said to Ahab before they went to war with Syria. Like all these uh, lines, yeah, s- same exact story. Hey, we're gonna go to war. We're gonna fight some guys, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll help you. I don't give a shit." And he's like, "All right, which way do you want to go? Let's go this way. Let's have I have some battle strategy." And he's like, "But have you talked to a prophet?" Uh, and it's the same old shit. I mean, it's a little bit different because I, I don't think Ahab has the same relationship with prophets as uh, um, Ahab. It's not the same, but it's also think, not good, as we're yeah. about to find out. Well, I mean, Ahab was – he had the Baalish priests and his wife yeah, was yeah, actively yeah. hunting them. So it's not 
it, it's, it's like, like that. it's like the last tenants actively poked holes in the walls. These tenants are just kind of loud. You yeah, know, like, and messy, right. kind yeah, of gross. Yeah, the smell. One of the Israeli officers, a uh, IDF guy, comes up to Joseph. He's like, "Hey, you know, uh, there actually is this dude Elisha with us. For some reason, Elisha is there with them. I guess marching." Maybe they bring prophets with them to work. I wonder if it makes sense if we actually took the time, because we know Elisha, the last time we saw Elisha, he was leaving Elijah's sort of um, whirlwind to hell, heaven, whatever the fuck. Oh, he was in uh, Bethel. He was in Bethel, which I think is yeah. to the north, so he might be in yeah. the same area. No, but they're I thought in the Bethel desert. was central. Yeah. They're in the desert now. Bethel's way up north. They're down south in the desert, going around no. the Red Sea, which is where the Edom no, the Edomites are to the west. They're just south. It's Moab, Ammonites, and Edomites uh, from north yeah. to south. Um, yes, but the Edomites are very are far south of like Israel. I I, I think the whole point is is that Moab is to the north uh, east, and they're like, how are we going to get it? And they're like, well, let's go all this long ass way around through a fucking desert instead of just attacking them directly. Their fortified cities. Let's take a sneak attack approach through the desert. So they are kind of headed south yeah they had to do a dip around the red sea that's where the i looked at this on a map you have to go like down south of israel into judah and then kind of up through edom into moab it's a fucking it also probably explains why he needed judah on his side because he's going through their borders too basically when he could have attacked moab directly i think he wants these fucking sheep yeah like that's a lot of work man so the point is that it doesn't really make sense that elisha's there to me but whatever. Maybe, like I said, maybe they take war prophets with them. Or Why something. are prophets wherever? Well, there definitely are such a thing as war prophets. Yeah. And even those son of the prophets, that small group, is actually a oh. war prophet. Like, they actually fight. I thought so, you were going to say, like, Halliburton. <laughs> okay. Right. War prophets. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyways. These war profiteers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, sure enough, Elisha's there with them. So they summon Elisha. And um, the uh, officers, by the way, the officers like, hey, th- by the way, this guy, he's not just some prophet. He used to wash Elijah's feet. And so that's yeah. like, okay, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, he, he, You know who he studied under. This is guy, he, he knows his shit. Yeah, I sucked off Lindsey Graham behind a strip mall, but you don't see me asking to be led to the halls of power. Like, what is this? <laughs> you should. Anything? You might. That would be something to do. You're like, why yeah, should we elect you uh, city comptroller? And he's like, guys, look at this photo. That's fucking Lindsey Graham's dick in my mouth. All right, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> I mean, he must have learned. He must have picked up a lot of tricks down there. <laughs> That's um, how you learn. So- I, I like Elijah. He's got a he's got a tough guy sort of persona because they're like, basically, they're like, why? You know what? This isn't going so well. We're dying of thirst in the desert. Who knew? Um, like, is there someone we can talk to? Let's get advice. Let's stop and get directions, which is a notoriously yeah. Pick, pickle to be in when you're on a road trip, you know. Always, That's right. bit, never do it. A bit contentious. So, like, yeah. let's stop. Let's get directions. They're like, well, who do we know in the area? And they're like, well, Elisha's down here. And you can just tell that Israel's like, fuck, hate this guy. Hate, I hate these priests of God. Yeah. And they go to Elisha and they're like, Elijah, can we get some advice? And uh, Elisha's like, oh, I thought you had your own priest. Thought you didn't need me no more, you fucking idiots. Yeah, he immediately calls out uh, Joram. For his father's sins, basically. He's like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, you should go ask Baal, right? If there's if any of them still around, or did I, my buddy Elijah have them all killed? And uh, uh, basically, the, the king um, of Israel, Joram, says, no, listen, 
the Lord called us to do this. Like, you need to help us. I'm not going to bail. Your fucking God was like, go take out Moab. Which <laughs> it's, again, your go- it's your God that know. got us into this fucking mess, you know? Yeah. So hook us up. So then Elisha says, all right, listen, the only reason I'm going to fucking help you is because I have respect for Jehoshaphat, because he's actually a good guy. It's a little, you know, salt in the wound for poor Joram. I, I guess. I mean, to me, it'd be like um, jo- Jehoram is like your ex, and her, and she's like, oh, my God, our daughter's been taken. And you're like, well, I thought your fucking rich money bags ex-boyfriend was going to fucking take care of this. Let him do it. You fucking go to him all the goddamn time. And she's like, but it's our daughter. And he's like, fuck, fine, shit. All right, give me a plane Is this ticket. taken? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought so. He's like, I got to go to Paris and fuck some heads up. <laughs> so uh, Elisha's like, look, get me a, I want a harpist here now in the desert <laughs> at this battlefield. Find a fucking harp. He's apparently pregnant. Yeah. And he's like. I want to listen to the heart. He sits down, listens to the heart, um, talks to God, and he says, all right, here's what God says. He's going to fill this whole valley in that we're, like, dying of thirst in with water. It's not even going to rain. The water's just going to fucking show up out of Edom. It's going to be badass. My, my Bible says like, we're going to go in, and we're going to kick the shit out of Moab and going to fuck them all up. My Bible says he tells them to dig trenches. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> okay. Um. I, I do think it's kind of interesting. He's like, all right, because of you guys, I'll do it for you. And he's like, there, here, here's a bunch of water in the desert. I, I always like when the prophets just have some off-the-wall fucking – and we're going to see a lot of that with Elijah. As they're like, hey, man, I need a miracle. He's like, all right, well, go get me two birds. And he's like, what? Like, I thought, you know, I'm asking you for, like, a miracle. He's like, no, 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 come on. Let, let, let's, you know, um, I, I think we kind of saw it with Solomon where he's like, oh, whose baby is this? He's like, give me a fucking sword. They're like, where is this going? You know, like I just kind of imagined like they're like, Elijah, Elijah, we're all dying. Entire armies are dying. We're, we're losing a war over some sheep. We need some help. He's like, all right, I need uh, a harpist. I need some guy to play some music. Like, well, you think he's just trying to see what he can get away with? Yeah, Elijah, I don't know if you knew this, but we're kind of fucking serious right now. And he's like, yeah, yeah, listen, I need a, I need you to get me 15 fake eyeballs. And they're like, what the <laughs> fuck is this story? It's like that Chappelle show skit where he's uh, pretending to be P. Diddy and he makes the interns go all get. Uh, he's like, I need Nigerian breast milk. <laughs> he's like, I need cheesecake at 2 a.m. They're like, this is. There's no. There's no. Like, do not question my method. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Um, very absurdist. But for whatever reason, the harp seems to do the trick because, yeah, he starts spitting out that prophecy. My. my down a fat uh, track. My Bible's concordance. States that the uh, the use of music among the songs of the prophets was attested in First Samuel and uh, Chronicles, I guess. The voice and instrument of the musician perhaps enabled the prophet to shut out the commotion around him and concentrate upon hearing the Lord. So probably it was like the harp equivalent of like lo-fi hip hop while you're studying for your exams, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I mean. Do you need that to be close to God? Elijah didn't need that. Give me a bowl Just of saying. weed, and they're like, "Really? I thought I thought you needed to talk to God." He's like, "This is what I do." Peyote. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get weird. I need a bunch of Adderall to snort on this fucking desk. Some ketamine. <laughs> go down a fucking K hole and find. He's God. like, "Listen, give me some fucking heroin. I'm gonna nod off for 20 minutes. Just a solid 20 minute nap, and then I'm gonna oh, come man. back. I'm gonna tell you how to do this." I'm, I'm picturing us reshooting. Or not reshooting, but shooting a midi- a movie version of this, and it's basically like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. 
<laughs> they just come in. There's a fucking like a room full of pills, and he's like wearing a dinosaur hat. He's like, "All right, did you guys to dig some holes?" I'm gonna go see God. <laughs> All right, we got to get on this story though. Let's continue. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So uh, the next morning, they offer a sacrifice, and boom, water flowing out of Edom. Fucking water's coming all in hot. Um, the boys drink their fill. Now, here's something funny. The Moabites knew that this war was coming, right? They had heard from scouts or messengers or what have you. And so every man, woman, uh, everyone, children, young and old, all of them, basically like Japan during World War II, arms up. They're like, we're going to fucking fight off these invaders. So they're out there at the border uh, at like the break of dawn. And they're looking out at where this army is coming from of the three kings. And they see the water coming up that God sent. And they mistake it for blood. Which, I don't know, that's fucking insane. Like, if, you, if you're if you living a life where you can see some water on the horizon, you're like, yep, that is pools and rivers of blood. I don't know. I think I think there's some connotations here. One, they weren't expect. there's never been water there. It's a valley in the middle of a desert. So yeah. every day you wake up, you look over fucking desert. And then one day you wake up and there just looks to be pools of red water. And you're like, there okay. should be zero water there. You yeah. used to be an EMT type. <laughs> okay. What? Uh, how many pints of blood are in a human? I'll tell you this. Enough. More than you're expecting. <laughs> tell I'll tell you. In the, moment, in the moment, more than you expect. I don't know. I'm like, expecting at most that it is the volume that my body takes up. And it can't be that much. I'm so... I honestly, this is actually something I should know because we're supposed to be able to get the ratio of. Uh, oh, it's like a gallon, whatever. The point is, how many liters of blood? I don't know what a liter is? Human body. Uh, the average adult has about four point five to five point five of liters of blood circulate inside the body. So two and a half big soda bottles. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like four big gulps of blood. Yeah, so imagine how many people you would have to bleed completely dry for, like, the landscape to be replete with fucking. I don't think that they're assuming there was like a giant fucking battle. I think they just they 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 see a large pool of something. It's red because of the way the sun is reflecting on it. They don't have yeah. enough context clues because we're talking about fucking magic, Jew magic on the horizon, <laughs> and it looks like fucking blood. I don't know. You know? Okay, well, for whatever reason, the Mo. I guess you did just cover the reason. The Moabites <laughs> think that it's blood, and they think that the three kings leading this this army had all turned on each other and just, like, slaughtered one another. And right. so they're just like, yay, we won by default. Right. The enemy all killed themselves. Although, be fair, if you and I were, like, setting up a raid on a crack house... And then Check. as we're climbing over the fence to sneak in, like the doors open and there's just blood and bullet casings everywhere. You're like, this is probably going to be easier than we thought. Uh, no. Have you ever seen No Country for Old Men? That's a bad thing. <laughs> if you show up and there's blood everywhere, you just leave. Yeah, don't Period. stick around. I, I, no. I would assume, now granted that's a little bit more context. There's not like there's like a police in the Middle East right now, but <laughs> I, that America didn't exist. This is before yet. America. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, if I if I saw a crack house and there was bullet shades of blood, I'm like, okay, probably the cops are already on their way. Wink, wink. They're probably not, especially now, but yeah, not in this political climate. But um, if I was going in there, I'd be like, you know what? Let's not be there because then we'll get caught. We'll catch all the blame. But yeah, yeah, if yeah. I was looking also to the get cartel, some man. If I was looking to get some fat stacks and some blood-covered cocaine, I would definitely dip a toe in. Well, you're more Moabite than I am, because sure <laughs> enough, they are like, to plunder, to plunder, like a bunch of little dirty desert pirates. Right. And they run out across the fucking land. 
Now, the problem is they come up to the Israelite camp. And, of course, the Israelites are like, oh, hey, fucking weirdos. Let's oh, you kill wanna, you. You want to meet us in an open field? <laughs> yeah. And let's remember that uh, there's just, like, women and children and shit. Like, there are feeble people who are here. That <laughs> everyone in Moab is armed. So it's, like, the squabblest army of all time. Right. Uh, They're going for an easy, easy looting experience. And, of course, they get their absolute shit pushed in. And then some. The Israelites slaughter them and continue to slaughter them and chase them down. And they basically do what Elisha said they were going to do. They cut down every fucking tree. They feel filled every field up with stones. Right. Uh, this is some is god insane. shit. I mean, these are shepherds, so I feel like they're not even doing crops anyways. It's probably not a big deal. Well, I mean, okay, I think rocks can potentially break a sheep's ankles yeah you want to you want to get rid of the rocks and the holes and stuff but it is just kind of a dick move because assuming that they are I'm, I'm assuming they have some type of agricultural at play yeah so the idea is just petty like if i came over and i'm like wait you mean they robbed me like they didn't just rob you but they like filled your bathtub with rocks i'd be like that sucks they found it rocks to do it me- it's about sending a message though because you know you let one tributary state step out of line right I mean, you're gonna have a whole lot of letters on your doorstep when you get home about how I'm not sending anything. Right, right. It, it's right. like a drug cartel. That's what the Jews are right about now. It's like a drug cartel yep. just stomping out. Like, oh, I'm sorry, one guy doesn't want to pay. And they're like, well, it's only a couple of sheep. It's one sheep now. Yeah. What if yeah. we stop getting like trees and shit from Lebanon? I'm not gonna. Uh, you gonna be here for that? Yeah. No. That's why if you're the the enforcer for a bookie and someone owes a hundred bucks, you break their fucking leg over a hundred dollars. Right. Ha- you don't want to, but you do have. If to. you follow the Bible, you do. Correct. <laughs> so they finally um, get to uh, Kir Haraseth. It's the only place left w- with uh, stones in place. But men with arm slings, right? Israelites with arm slings are surrounded and are attacking the shit out of it. So little rocks are getting flown in. Probably pretty dangerous. Killed Goliath. So yeah, they know rocks are no rocks. joke. And the king of Moab sees basically that he's completely fucked. So he takes with him 700 swordsmen to try and break out um, to get to uh, the king of Edom, but they fail. And so he then decides to basically do what I call a Hail Mary. He takes his firstborn son, who's supposed to be <laughs> yeah, his uh, heir, and goes up on the city wall and sacrifices him. And it says that the fury against Israel was great. They withdrew and returned to their own land. My, okay, my Bible fuck? says that uh, the king, so the king of Moab is surrounded. They try to escape. They can't. It's dire fucking situations. They know what will happen if, those, um, if the Jews break through the walls. It's going to be bad news. So as a last-ditch method, he goes to the wall and offers his son as a burnt offering. Correct. My Bible specifically states, I mean, this is the New King James. There was great indignation against Israel, so they departed from him and returned to their own land. I, the, the point being is that Israel is so fucking disgusted by it. They're like, what the fuck, man? It, it, it'd be like it'd be like you're fighting with your neighbor, and it's over, like, I don't know, a uh, mattress in the alleyway. And you think it's going to, you know, it's it's agitated, you're agitating each other, you're fighting, and then, like, one of the ladies grabs a baby and tries to hit you with it, and you're like, what the fuck? I mean, we were having a fight, that's fine, but now I feel really gross about the whole situation. No, here's why that analogy doesn't work. Because in that, in this, in what, this real situation, they were going to kill that kid anyway. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, my only interpretation of this is that it kind of worked. I mean, I mean the sacrifice worked. did. 
exactly what it's intended to do. Now, my concordance says that the reason they were defeated and got pushed back, because that's what it says mm-hmm. in the concordance, is because God was angry that the Israelites made the Moabites do this. That's stupid. <sighs> then why did God put them to fight them in the first place? Yeah, correct. And, and why also... Did God give them the- why did God give them all the power to win this battle when the Moabites are going to do an act of desperation? Why is that their fault? Let, they have let, nothing. To- let, let's talk about it. Because Elisha strictly states, they're like, hey, Elisha, God has put me on this path. I need answers. Now, first of all, we already know you can't trust prophets. They True. fucking lie all the time. Yes. God lies. He sends angels to lie. They're all lying pieces of shit. Correct. Can't trust a word out of their goddamn mouth. Uh, all they do is eat hot chip, be bisexual, Okay, lie. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that like Elijah's like, okay, listen, here's what God has said. He is going to deliver Moab into your hands. So the implication is that first battle now, and also Elijah specifically tells him, and by the way, you're going to lay siege. You're going to destroy their fields. You're going to fuck them up. Good. Uh, in essence, the miracle is the Moabites misinterpreting the miracle water as blood and running, that's God delivering them. They left their fortified cities, ran yeah. across to an open field to an encamped army like a bunch of fucking idiots. Correct. So that's the miracle. Oh, yeah, the Moabites left. It's like the same thing that happened with, uh, was it Gideon? Where they tricked them into leaving their city to chase the army? Yeah, that's right. We've seen that a couple times. But the, the point being is, like, that's God's miracle. So God is making them fight. He's giving them the tools. He's directing this army. So whatever yes. they do is kind of got to fall on God. Yeah. And then they chase the Moabites into their cities, which is exactly what he told them to do. Like, you will attack their fortified cities. You will destroy says, their wells. It says you will overthrow every fortified city. So their job is not done. If they had left without destroying this city that the king is in, the Moabite king, they would have not lived up to God's prophecy. I'm assuming they would have been punished for that. Like, God tells them to poison wells. Like, this is yes. some scorched earth uh, Iraqi burning down the, uh, I know, <laughs> Iraqis burning down the uh, Kuwaiti oil fields type shit. He's like, yeah. listen, if you want to get these guys, you need to poison their water supply. It's an old yeah. standby. But uh, yeah. okay, if it works, it, it works. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, is that then the Moabites do a human sacrifice, which we already know God ain't about. Not really. I mean, kind of is. But I mean, he okay. had a specific quote. They don't sacrifice your children in burnt offerings to Baal yeah. or whomever. In Leviticus, it tells us not to do that. Yeah. Uh, so the idea that God's now turned his mind, well, I didn't want him to go that way. You're the one that made us do it. it, it, it it'd be like it'd be like if you were planning a bank heist, you know, and as and you're like, you're laid out. We're going to go to the fucking we got to kill the manager to make sure everyone understands how serious we are. And we're going to beat up every person we find, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, as the bank robbery is going, according to your plan, some woman stabs a baby. And you're like, whoa, 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 that did not. Whoa, you know, we didn't want that. That now I feel bad about you guys doing that bank heist. You're the one that set up the heist. You're the one that told us to do all these things. How the fuck are you now? Like, yeah. like, I can't believe you guys did that thing. That thing I told you to do. Like, yeah the fuck it's for real now let's get into something that we have not ever really had yet in this bible okay i'm gonna tell you the point of view of the moabites because yes we have that from this exact battle so in 1868 a german missionary who lived in jerusalem was in jordan which is modern day moab basically 
and was uh, at an excavation and found a tablet or a steel that's now or steel rather that's now known as the Mesha Stone. Now, who's Mesha? Mesha is, as we just mentioned, the king of Moab. So here's what the stone says, roughly. Um, a lot of it was, was obscured, but from what they were able to uh, gather, it says, I am Mesha, son of Chemosh, king of Moab, the Dibonite. My father was the king of Moab for 30 years, and I was king after my father. I made the high place for Chemosh, which is a Moabite god, in Quaro. For he saved me from all the kings and allowed me to see the downfall of my foes. Then he says, Omri was the king of Israel and oppressed Moab for many days. Now, first off, Omri left a long time ago. Yeah, I don't even remember exactly when Omri. Was he in Judges? He was, he was no, Omri was uh, after David. I think he was Asa's dad, maybe. He was a uh, That sounds Judah. about right. Like a North, an, uh, he wasn't a Judite, was it? Omri yeah. doesn't sound like a line of Judah. He was. He was like Sol- one of Solomon's kids. Oh, okay. So, so Omri, he says, was the king of Israel and oppressed Moab for many days for Chemosh was angry with the land. So basically he's saying our God was punishing us by sending these foreigners to hurt us, which is hilarious because that's exactly what Israel says every time they get oppressed by Philistines or whatever. Anytime something bad happens, it's God's fault. Anytime something good happens, it's God's fault. Yes. Anything happens, God's fault. Uh, so Omri's son succeeded him, and he said, I too will oppress Moab. All right, so now we're at whoever Omri's kid was, which I know you're looking up. We'll get there. I'm trying. I don't know. In my time, he said that, but I got to see his downfall and that of his house, and Israel was lost. So uh, this guy basically is the king that's in this house that sacri- air quote, sacrificed his son, according to Israel. No account of that on his side, yeah. which is interesting. <laughs> I just so kicked their like, ass. It's kind of like they just got their asses kicked and sent back packing and had to come up with a fantastical story for why it happened. It's like, um, I don't know, I, 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 every now and then I'll watch YouTube videos of like random homeless guys or just punks going into like boxing dojos and be like, I can <laughs> kick anyone's ass in here, you know? And they'll be like, okay. So they like get like a 14-year-old boy. They're like, this guy's been training for like a year. Let's see. What and he'll just beat the shit out of this like guy. Like a twenty, yeah. like a twenty-six year old guy in his prime who doesn't know shit about fighting. fighting not a homeless guy though. I mean, not- sometimes, sometimes it's just okay. a crazy guy off the street. And uh, I sure. mean, I, these, I mean, it's a. Boxing. Where do you find these? Never mind. Just go. <laughs> anyway, my point is, my point is, I've seen enough of these fights where, like, the second the uh, the drunk guy off the street starts getting his ass kicked by a little kid, he's like, you know what, man, I'm not going to do this fight. It's a kid, you know. I'm better than that. And it's like, well, that's just because you got fucking socked in the eye. And he's like, man, I'm not going to fight a kid. I don't fight kids. That's not what I do. <laughs> you know, it's like well, you so you're were, saying that's what Israel did here. Yeah, you were all about it ten minutes ago before the ass whooping started. He's like, man, I don't fight kids. You guys are sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, oh, you were all about to do it. The second they ask, he's like, well, how, how'd you guys lose? I thought you had God on your side and Elisha and like miracles. He's like, yeah. uh, they did some fucked up shit, and uh, I don't fight. I don't. I don't play like that. Yeah, I don't fight guys that sacrifice children. Shouldn't you like kill all of them for sacrificing a child? Am I? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It'd be like you fight a guy and then he pisses himself, and he was kicking the shit out of you right before that happened. You're like, but I'm not gonna fight a guy covered in piss. Like, you got pee right. on you. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't either. That's kind of gross. Didn't he rape your wife? Like, yeah, but I'm not gonna fight a guy who pissed himself. Like, I guess. <laughs> okay, okay, good. They get it. I don't know what your they fucking plan is. Um, Aubrey was the father of Ahab. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so... So they're still off, though, by a couple generations. Uh, or a, Ahab, a generation. I mean, let's... Fuck this I is Omri's grandson. Yeah, but Solomon was in Moab. In, 
Well, yeah, Solomon apparently. So we did a little bit of research there, guys. We're back. We, uh, Solomon was worshiping Chemosh, this god of the Moabites. Um, right. Interestingly enough. So, so interesting enough yeah. that in the actual historical text of Mesha, he's like, oh, yeah, I when my father built the – that's what it said, right? He says, I built the high place for Chemosh. Chemosh? Yeah, he says that um, my uh, I made this high place for Chemosh. Right. Which is exactly what Solomon did, was built a high place for Chemosh. So, in like, Moab. So yeah, both well, Solomon. In, I don't know if it was in Moab. I think it was in Jerusalem. No, look, look at look at um, look at uh, eleven seven. It's First Kings. 11, so guys, we're 7. going back to First Kings. This is First Kings. Then 11, Solomon 17. built a high place for Chemosh in the abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Amnon. So in the Bible, Solomon built the temple for Chemosh in Moab. And in the text that this guy wrote that was later found out by some German, uh, he's like, oh, by the way, I built the high place for Chemosh, and then I kicked the shit out of some Israelites. And yet in the Bible, Solomon built the temple for Chemosh, and then they all fled because they saw this uh, Mesha kill a kid. No. It says Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem. So oh. Okay, so he built it. He basically built like a twin of Meshes so it in could Jerusalem. Be. It because they could were all be fucking both. homies. Because they were all worshiping the same shit. They're all the same goddamn people. They're right? Cuss. There's not Moabites and Israelites and Edomites. They were all the same people. Let's face it. Semites. Yeah. Yeah, it's bullshit. Just a bunch of Semites. Yeah. All, all yeah, one people. All- I wish these people could understand that there's only one race. The human race. Hell yeah. <laughs> Damn, brother. The world needs to hear that right now. <laughs> okay. Wow. What a mad scramble across uh, chapter three. You want to keep going? Do one more chapter? Let's um, let's do four. Okay. So chapter three, we solved the problem. We know what happened in Moab now, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. Either way, let's Moab. Either way, even though God straight up said, I will deliver Moabites into your uh, hands, and this is going to be a rip-raping good time, uh, they didn't. They lost. They had to flee back to Moab. And uh, Mesha, officially, I mean, at least in that steal, Mesha was like, and that's how I no longer had to pay the Jews. So the official yeah. scoreboard is Mesha's like, good, fuck those guys. Get them out of here. I'm not sending yep. them more sheep. Fucking settled it. And next time you guys see a bunch of blood on the field, send a scout. <laughs> yeah, not the whole army. Okay, so chapter four. Um, we're totally changing pace here because we're cutting directly from the scene of the Israelites retreating from uh, the Moabite city. To like a side story. To a total side story. So there's a woman who is the uh, basically the widow of one of the guys from the company of the prophets. So you remember the company of the prophets? They're the ones that witnessed um, Elijah ascending when he was with Elisha, they were the men that were sort of hanging out with him. The ones that went looking for Elijah, uh, when Elisha said that he's gone. So they're just like the groupies, I guess. Well, it's a school of prophets. So it's an organization. You might even, it might be a cult. Even it might be the correct term or like a cult of zealots. They are, (laughs) it's a dojo, you know, they're the sons of the prophets, whatever the fuck that means, you know? Yeah, it's badass. Um, but they're they're a cult of prophets who I guess were starred under Samuel. So maybe they're just like a special subsect of groups of people who really worship God and are kind well, of we're isolated. always getting more 
right, honed in because first it's like all Levites and Simeon, Simeonites are the priest class. Okay, right. well, really just Levites. Okay, really just the sons of Aaron. Yeah. Okay, really just, you know, it's just like we're. Now, now, now we're just talking about it. But I, I think in difference, like with Aaron and the Levites, at least it was like by blood, it was a family where it yeah. seems like the sons of the <laughs> prophets is more just like a group. It's a school. Okay. It's a it's it's a Hogwarts, but for you know, yeah, like okay, a uh, blood an abbey or it's something. Like, it's like it's like Hogwarts, but blood magic. You know, yeah. Um, you mean Hogwarts? <laughs> okay, so, so basically, this one woman was married to one of the guys that was in this little group, and uh, she comes up to Elisha and she says, "Listen, your servant, my husband, is dead." And you know that he revered the Lord, right? He did everything. The man put in his time, you know, didn't even get to reach retirement age. But now these motherfucking creditors are coming around my house asking for my money and I can't pay them. They're going to take my two boys as slaves as payment because very cool culture they've got going on. <laughs> I, uh, one of the infuriating arguments was uh, like, I'm hearing a lot of discussion about whether or not Black Lives Matter is anti-Christian, which to me is absurd, but what do I fucking know? But yeah. one of the arguments people were like, yeah, but isn't slavery, like, uh, not really Christian? I was like, I don't know, man. I got to inject myself here. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of fucking slavery. And, like, so I was like, well, you know, I mean, they it was more like indentured servitude. I'm like, I'm sure the guy who's the slave probably saw that. Oh, like, hey, guys, at least we're not real slaves as they dig holes and stuff in fear of getting their asses kicked. Well, we have all the evidence we need that the Christian God slash Jewish God is pro-slave, pro-capitalism, pro-masters mm. right here. Because what does he do when he finds out that these pieces of shit are coming after a recent widow, threatening to steal her children to pay some measly fucking debts from mm. her prophet husband now deceased? Instead of God being like, I smite thee, like children, <laughs> God kills the, ch- listen, God kills the children for m- making bald jokes. But these two greedy fucking debt collectors coming after a widow to steal her children away, God's like, let's just get these guys paid, yeah. right? So instead of fucking dealing with the evil in the world, he just, you know, gives this woman some, I don't know. Let's tell her. the story. Let's know. tell the story. So Elisha. Well, I will. This woman goes to Elisha, hey, I owe these fucking guys some money, and they're saying they're going to take my children, make them slaves, and put them to work. Now, we have seen this in the Bible before. It's definitely a part of their culture. They are fine with it. There is also Jubilee year, which is when yeah. these debts get reversed. So there, If you wait 50 years, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, well, it's like a... You know, you, you work until you've paid your debt or you hit Jubilee year. They're like, okay, you guys, I, I, I you worked as much as I can work you to pay off this debt. Yeah. Um, and Elisha basically gives him the miracle version. Like, what? You got to pay these guys? Have you thought about uh, opening up a lemonade stand on the side of the street? <laughs> but miracle Pick lemonade stand. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. So um, Elisha tells her, okay, listen, uh, you know, go to your house. What do you got? And she's like, all I have is like this half jar of oil. And he's like, bingo. Now we got, now we got something. I, I like that. Like Elijah needed to ask that question. Like he didn't just have a jar of oil on him. He's like, what do you got? What do you got? She's like, I have this rock. He's like, no, no, that's no good. Uh, what, what else you got? She's like, I have this old worn out shoe. He's like, I, I need something. You got to give me something. She's like, I have this yeah, old jar yeah. of oil. He's like, bingo. Now we're fucking talking. I can work with this. Yeah. My magic it's needed very, a half jar of oil. It's very like motivational speaker esque. <laughs> yeah. 
So what does he tell her? He says, go around to all of your neighbors and collect any empty containers they have. So, ladies, this was like your first ever pampered chef party, to put it in your terms. <laughs> I was thinking so could- I, I was thinking it's like um well, this is too dark. But I was thinking it's like like oh, a good. woman's like, I don't know how to pay off these debt collectors. And he's like, well, what do you got on you? She's like, all I have is my body. And he's like, oh, right. I think I know a way we can make some money. Oh, no. She's not a male prostitute, so I think it's okay. Right? Wasn't the male prostitutes the only bad ones? Yeah, only male prostitutes, because that's fucking gross. Yeah, gross. Don't do that to a man. So, uh, man, this is getting awfully misogynistic. Um <laughs> So he tells her, go around, get all these things. She does it, sure enough. And he says, go inside, shut the door behind you, um, and uh, behind you and your sons, and pour the oil, the little bit of oil you have, into all the jars. Um, and as each one fills up, put it to the side. So she does this. And sure enough, this little bit of oil that she has doesn't fucking go anywhere. And the jars just keep getting filled up and filled up and filled up. It's kind of like the the story about the bread, uh, Elijah with the widow and her son. They made them all the bread loaves. Right, 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 right. Well, it's a, it's a it's an oil duplication glitch, and it's yeah. one of the few duplication glitches that God has. He knows that trick. He can't duplicate like stones or Correct. money, just oil, just yeah. things that you can't really measure because they're volume based. That's right. It's it's very cool. Well, you know, eventually, um, Jesus will do this himself with the loaves and fishes, famously. So, a lot more repetition. Of this, uh, of this miracle. But yeah, uh, they do this. And of course, now she's able to sell the oil and pay off all her debts. I guess oil is expensive. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like liquid gold. It's worth, it's, he's, he's, he's like, he's like, but listen, do not tell anybody about this magic jar of oil. It could start a war. And she's like, he's like, don't pour it on anyone's head because they will be the king then. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Calm down with that shit. But it it is kind of funny that, yeah, it's like at, at its crux, God respects debts and respects capitalistic uh, impunity that you Endeavors. need to pay off your debts, yeah. you know? Yeah. And maybe God helps those who help themselves, you know? It's not like he just gave her the money. He's like, listen, you got to do the fucking work. You got to get some jars. I'll give you a little bit of magic here and there, you know? Yeah. And you know that I've heard this story a million times in the South <laughs> oh, really? in evangelical church. I'm not kidding. Right. Like, a lot. There's this, They start hitting you with this one and, like, Age five Sunday school. So uh, yeah, like Elijah, the woman was like, how do I pay off these debts? Like you better fucking pay off your debts. Yes, right. precisely. Um, Have you thought so, about selling something in your house to make some extra money? <laughs> you get a pawn off that toaster. Um, you can eat for one more time if you do that. But yeah, she now, sells some oil. She pays off her debts. Her boys are safe. Yeah, apparently forever. I don't know. Well, I mean, how I much, guess. you know, you pay off your debts. I mean, unless they're going to go rack up some gambling debts, but I mean, the oil can only go so far. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, continuing on, we get another side story. This is like a little vignette section of uh, vignettes, whatever. I don't know how to say that fucking word. It's just see it written all the time. Now, Elisha goes to Shunem. Shunem? And Shunem. Uh, there's a, a rich lady there, right? So that's fun. We don't see a lot of rich people lately since Solomon it's died. Certainly not enough rich ladies. Yeah. I mean, it's not like she worked so for it. She just has a rich Well, no, there's a lady that Solomon met that was rich, the Queen of Sheba. Well, she was a queen. I don't think she worked a day in her life. There's no implication of that. She just knows a lot wow, about Wow, dude. <laughs> Literally dripping with misogyny. So <laughs> Solomon earned it, right? But no, not Queen of Sheba. I'm just going to assume that it was Solomon to went her. to school and studied trees, okay? Oh he, had a, he had a skill. <laughs> he did. He did know trees. 
fucking Okay, asshole. so anyways, Elisha goes, Piece of there's shit. a rich woman uh, who urges him to stay for a meal. So when it kind of it became a thing, whenever he was in the area, she would uh, have him come in and stop by for a meal. She gets her husband to set up a r- special room in their house just for him. All right, sorry, brother. You're getting cucked. Like, this is not good. <laughs> I love that hot, sexy priest. Every time he comes by, I always feed him. And we'll, we'll see a little bit more about the cuckery, like what the implication is. Um, so basically... You know, it's, go ahead. You, you know what this feels like? It feels like he's Charles Manson. Okay. And that she's like some Hollywood socialite that was obsessed with him. Like, cause this is re- like he was rubbing shoulders with famous people, right, Brian Wilson, right. et cetera. So it feels like he's like crazy. Oh yeah. I'm a weird beard guy. Yeah. And then like these women are for some reason obsessed with him. I mean, men too, obviously. And so it's like, uh, you know, the guy's like, I don't see what you, what you like him for, but sure. If you want to let him use the fucking guest house, yeah, once I don't, a month, you know, whatever. I don't he's care. not a threat to me. How fucking hairy and manly he is. I mean, I've got, <laughs> I've got lots of money, obviously. Yeah. You know, uh, so, so the, the point is to summary is that there is a house that's on the road in a pathway that Elisha travels frequently. And as he travels it, she keeps feeding him. Their relationship grows. And finally she's like, you know what? Let's just make like a fucking attic bedroom for him. So that when he's traveling, he has a place to stay, like a little guest house. But at the it's end. very nice. Yeah, it's, chill, it's a chill. It's a chill story. So fine. Yeah. Um, so he travels and he goes into her attic and spends the night and sleeps. You know, I'm not sure if there was a lot of sleeping going on, but it sounds wholesome from the outside. Hopefully. So Elisha gets his servant Gehazi and says to him, "Go get the Shunammite." Now, that's a weird thing to say whenever you're in Shunem, to me, at least. <laughs> like, if you're visiting your cousins in Britain. You don't know this chick's and you name? Go to your, and you turn to your girlfriend, you're like, hey, go get the British. And she's <laughs> like, which one? I don't know which one you want. But it, for, anyways, they know what's going on. By the way, Shunemite, that's uh, the, the person that David used as a blanket. Was a Shunemite. Used as a blanket? Yeah, the old. Oh, you know, old right, man. right, 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 right. Yeah, it's a young Shunamite girl. The young Shunamite girl. Okay, I wonder if it's the same chick. Probably not. So he sends. Oh, that would be a weird twist. He sends uh, Gehazi down to this woman, uh, the owner of the house, and she comes up and stands before him, and he says, "Listen, um, you've gone through all this trouble for us. What can I do for you? Like, can I talk? Can I speak? Like." well to the king for you or to yeah he's like like, i feel indebted from all the nice things you do what can i the man of god offer you in return just as like two homies being homies you you know a favor for a favor type thing yeah so it's the right thing to do it's polite i like it yeah it's nothing wrong with this thus far because like i picture a lot of these uh prophet types is having like social disorders like that's why they're prophets (laughs) so it's nice to see that he can like pick up on you know i assumed he was like autistic but well, seems I was like going to say that word because it's more of like a spectrum disorder now, and you don't really get to just pin it on people, but whatever. You know. I guess now this is one more thing we're getting canceled for. <laughs> okay. So for whatever reason, he now decides that he wants to do her a favor, and she says to him, I have a home among my own people. And he says, what can be done for her? What does that mean? I, I think the implication is that he's like, hey, what can I get you? And she's like, I have money, I have a home, I have everything that I could conceivably have, you know, within reason, you know, outside of the realm of miracles and shit. Like, there's nothing you can really offer me that I'm like, I don't, that I need. I'm good, you know, like, it's fine. Um, 
But what she does mention is like, well, you know, as he probably, as Elijah probably already knew, she's like, but my husband's dick don't work. Yeah. There's one thing I left out here. He doesn't speak the same language as her as far as I can tell. Is right? that why they have the servant? That'd be yeah, weird Gehaz- that they, they don't have, it'd be weird that there's a language barrier. Well, he said everything he says, he says to Gehazi to say to her. So either Gehazi's running back and forth, which it doesn't read like. I think that Gehazi is an interpreter. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I think it's, uh, I mean, one, the Bible's confusing. There's no, yeah. may, maybe it's just like, have my secretary deal with it. It's not necessarily a, I don't, I don't think it implies that there's a language barrier. It might be because she's a Shunammite, but there's no mention of, we, we've seen instances where there was a language barrier. Where they're like, hey, get the interpreter to explain this to him. Uh, very rarely. It seems like for the most part, everyone speaks the same basic language. Um, okay. Yeah, that's fair. So I, I don't know. that. I, I don't think there's a lot of precedent to assume that that's what's going on. Well, I there think was it's the Tower just, of Babel. But we've seen multiple... <laughs> <laughs> but we've seen multiple instances where, like, the prophets have messengers or boys that they send out sure. or whatever. So I, I don't know. I just assumed it's so just that. I, th- I think that maybe what happened here is that she came up, said, I don't need anything, left. And Elisha says to his servant, who the servants are going to be more in the know and shit, you know, the mm-hmm. dirty details. They get to talk to other servants. He says to the servant, hey, man, what can I do for her? Like, you know. Because Gehazi says back, you know, man, she has no son and her husband's old. Oh, so I think that it's Gehazi telling him. So, so, so basically yeah. Gehazi talks to her and he's like, what can Elijah get for you? And she's like, well, I don't need anything. I've got a house. I'm, I'm fucking great. Yeah. And like Gehazi's talking to Elijah like, okay, she says she doesn't need anything, but I noticed she doesn't have a son and her husband is old and weak. And surely a woman cannot be happy without children, right? Duh. <laughs> That's their purpose. So, so uh, Elisha not says, even all right, woman. bring her back, bring her up here. And she stands in the doorway and he said, listen, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And she says, no, my Lord, don't, don't mislead me. Like, don't, that's too good to be true. Apparently he's right. She is very ecstatic to the point that she's like, don't let this be like something nice. You're just saying that will tear me apart. Um, yeah. it's kind of touching. And he says, no, like this is for real this time next year. Uh, it's going to happen. And sure enough, a year goes by. She's fucking holding a kid. Right, the Bible's pretty abrupt about this, um, and life continues. Uh, the child grows, and one day the child is out working with his father, that old ass man. Right, the old man's fine out there working in the field, uh, reaping, and he says to his father, "My head, my head," and then uh, he like falls over. Right, it so sounds like a stroke. It sounds like an aneurysm to me. Oh well, yeah. yeah, a stroke aneurysm, same shit. Yeah, but like an aneurysm stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The, uh, my concordance was like it's probably heat stroke and I'm like no you guys are fucking stupid <laughs> it could be heat, heat stroke. stroke I had heat stroke and my fucking head was killing me man the old man was fine and this fucking strapping young lad yeah is gonna but the old stroke. man might be in the shade and he's got his son working the fucking plow and shit you know maybe all right I'll it could it be you, heat stroke whatever I mean we don't know it doesn't matter the point is that his head is banging and he falls yeah, he's down got a headache and the servant uh, the father has the servant carry him to his mother. And uh, it says that the boy sat in her lap until noon and then died rather unceremoniously. And so she took him and laid him on the bed of the man of God, Elisha's bed, right up in the room and shut the door and went out. And she calls her husband and she says, look, I need you to send servants on a donkey so that are with me on a donkey so that I can go to find Elisha uh, really quickly. Like I need to go get him mm-hmm. ASAP um, because I'm assuming she knows he's, the only chance for a dead kid 
which is a long shot, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, I imagine Elijah is famous for reviving a corpse. You think? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Probably, maybe. probably his shit's famous. I mean, everyone has heard of Elijah, and yeah. he, he, it definitely extolled that he's famous in his time. Everyone knows who the fuck he is. You think he kept that part where he raised a guy from the dead secret? Yes, because if this woman is going to send people at him oh, when her kid dies, be stuck doing it all day long. Imagine fucking everyone doing yeah, it. All it's the time. like why we don't have a cure for cancer. It'd just be never-ending people asking oh favors. <laughs> so uh, she saddles a donkey and gets with her servant. She's like, "Lead on, brave servant," because he's on foot apparently. Yikes! And they set out Some after rush. Elijah. Um, hmm? Just like imagine you're in the rush. Like my son is rotting up in the attic. In yeah. the hot desert sun, you know? Yes. And I'm just like, all right, let's go. And, like, just get the one donkey. You lead on foot. We're in a rush. He's like, should we get two donkeys? He's like, no time. <laughs> now run. <laughs> you, you run ahead of me. I'm going to chase you with this donkey. They're mean. <laughs> so they're running up um, to Mount Carmel, where they, I guess, they happen to know Elisha is at. And um, he's, you know, they're up there. And from the distance, Elisha sees him. Sees her coming, rather, and says to Gehazi, his servant, Hey, look, there's the uh, Shunammite woman. Run out there and meet her and make sure everything's okay. She seems like, you know, in a hurry. So Gehazi waddles on down there and says, Hey, uh, everything good? And she says, Yeah, sure enough, everything's fine. But then she, I don't know why, she lies to Gehazi. And then she gets up to Elisha. And then she freaks out. She grabs his feet, and Gazi is like, what, "Bitch, what are you doing? This is my fucking man's!" <laughs> and like trying, like trying to get her off. And uh, and uh, Elisha's like, "Hey, oh, chill, 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 chill. She's in distress. Like, let's let her tear her out." It, it is weird that him, she wouldn't just tell Gahazi what the fuck was up. I guess she just doesn't trust Gahazi to yeah. like, you know, it's like it's like, hey, I have a, a an important message for the mayor, and they're like, oh yeah, you can just tell me his secretary. She's like, no, no, it's fine. It's just like. Like parade permits or some shit, and then he's like, "All right, I guess you can just go in there." She's like, "They are killing black people out there." I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate, I guess, for the situation. So she is freaking out, and she says to him, "Did I ask you for a fucking son? No. Did did I tell you? Don't raise my fucking hopes up. Like, didn't wasn't this what I was worried about that you were going to lead me astray with this whole like impossible dream of having a kid? And now look, now look at it." Now look at what you've wrought. Not only do I not have a son, but I, I had to live with one for a while and experience the pure joy of raising a man. Right. And so uh, it's freaking her out. She's pissed. It'd be like if someone was like, oh, what do I get my, what do I get the neighbor boy? And he's like, well, he doesn't really need anything. He's like, you know what? Let's get him a fucking puppy. And then like two years into it being a dog, it just gets like puppy cancer and dies. And he's like, well, I didn't even want the fucking puppy in the first place. And all <laughs> you've you really given me? me is the experience of watching a puppy die from cancer. I don't really, <laughs> I would have this just rather not, not had the fucking puppy, to be honest. It's a solid point. Um. So, <laughs> Elisha says, you know, he, he's like, all right, we're going to fix this. He says to Gehazi, tuck your co- cloak into your belt, which is, I guess, so you can run faster. Take my staff in your hand. Run back to her house. Don't greet anyone. If anyone greets you, don't even fucking answer them. Rude, yeah. by the way. And uh, lay my staff on the boy's face. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the child's mother is like, look... uh, 
as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. Um, so he gets up and follows her. Right. Right. Now, Gehazi She's like, you lay down. your staff on his face yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Gehazi goes down, puts the staff on the boy's face, and nothing happens. So he runs back up to Elisha. This guy is fucking having a hell of a day. And he's like, uh, yeah, nothing happened, bro. Like, the fuck are you... What is this about? So Elisha gets to the house. Uh, his bluff with God, I guess, seeming to have not worked. And he does the old Elijah maneuver, which we're got to stretch with. yourself on some kids. Yeah. So he uh, stretches himself out over the boy. It says, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. Okay. Just a weird looking situation. I would be like, I don't care, man of God or not. If someone's like, if it was like, hey, we found John Bonet bo- uh, John Bonet's body, and he's like, hold on, <laughs> I just gotta fucking. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, it doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, it'd be weird. Be weird. Yeah. I don't approve. But yeah, he's like, hold on, give me where's that sexy fucking boy that I gave you? And he's like, he's up in the room. He's like, alright, just close the door. I gotta fucking eyeball to eyeball this fucking corpse. Just put my yeah, mouth so all Eli- over. Elisha finishes, whatever that means, and gets up, walks around the room a few times, and then d- gets on him again. And then finally, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Do you think this kid was faking it? Do you think that's, again, the same shit? It was allergies all along. (laughs) It was hay fever. There's just, you just, you just wake up from your anaphylactic shock and there's just a guy fucking rubbing his eyeballs on your eyeballs and be like, hey, what's up, sleepyhead? (laughs) It's only been like an hour. (laughs) God damn. like, God damn. Your hypochondriac mother always getting you in this shit. Again, cut back to this being Charlie Manson, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it totally works. Yeah. And this is like Gwyneth Paltrow's son, except yeah. in the 60s or whenever. Sure. <laughs> it's young Apple just getting rubbed up and down by a crazy hobo. I do love the imagery. I love it. He's like, my head, my head. He falls down. His dumb bitch mother doesn't know if, you know, she's like, he's dead. He's obviously sleeping. You know, he just needed some water. And so they just take him up into a room and he's like, oh God, I'm so glad I don't have to work out in this field. I'm just going to milk this for a little bit longer. And then some old creepy guy is like, you're like, what's this about? You know, and it's just... <laughs> I just got to fucking grind on you for fucking uh, half hour. It's so bad. So Elisha, uh, the boy's awake. Elisha gets his servant and says, all right, call her in here. She comes in and, of course, falls at his feet, bowing, and is the happiest any woman's What's ever What's weird is, is, like, I remember I want to get out of school. So I pretended to have, like, a fever. I'm like, oh, my fever. You know, I put the I got the warm thermos and put it on my forehead when my mom checked my hands. And then the doctor came in and molested me. And I was like, okay, I'll go to school. Just whatever. Just <laughs> It works, is all I'm saying. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Uh, we have one more little story that ha- takes place before the end of this chapter that we're going to wrap up here. Uh, this one is just yeah, fucking stupid. More I don't know. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's just one. It's all part of the same story, asshole. Of stew, 100 men. Yeah, it all fits together. It's all about food. So... Uh, Elijah goes back to Gilgal and apparently there was a famine going on. So there's the company of prophets that he's like part of the team of they're meeting with him and they say to his servant, Hey man, uh, put on a large pot. Let's cook up some stew for these boys. They're getting hungry. There's been a famine, you know, it's rough times. And so one of the, one of the company of profit guys goes out into a field and is just picking up whatever he can to put into a stew. Again, hard times. Yeah, they're like, Elisha's is coming in. We got to get some food. So they just go out into the woods and just whatever plant looks like food, 
Yeah, they're grabbing which, and throwing a pot. Like, all right, that'll be fun. This kind of, of looks things, like a tomato. <laughs> one of these things is a gourd, right? So they take this gourd. He t- grabs as many as he can fill into, like, his fucking garments yeah. and brings them back. They chop it up. They throw it into the pot. Uh, but apparently it was uh, horrible and made them very sick. and No one could eat it. Um, just gross. Tastes like pure death. It was going to kill them, in fact. So it's something poisonous. Well, Elijah shows, Elijah shows up and he goes, tell you what, guys, get some flour, put the flour into the pot, and then serve it up. And sure enough, it was totally safe to eat. Wow, cool story. Yeah, it's a real southern hospitality type thing. You're like, how do we make this dish edible? They're like, have you thought about adding flour? That's fucking gravy right there if you want it to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, butter would work better, but. No, it's, I mean, literally this flour. You just, you're like, all right, uh, to, this is now a root. To like thicken something. Yeah, it's yeah, like a root. <laughs> but I was going with like the southern thing. Shut just up. Put more butter. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> this episode is clearly getting too long. We're getting very uh, bitchy with yeah, we Yeah, I don't like so, Grant at all. <laughs> so, uh, a man came from Baal Shalasha. <laughs> That's a fucking good name and uh he's bringing elijah 20 loaves of uh barley bread that had just been break baked from the first ripe grain right so this is the freshest bread will ever be well it's ancient it, it, times. it says that it's the bread of the first fruits yeah which I, is that like an offering to god remember when we used to have that whole thing where like your uh, first you know your first calf you give to the you church take it your to the first, prophets you know your first yeah, fruits yeah, yeah, yeah. If you plant a fruit tree, whatever that first harvest is, that goes to the church. So I wonder if this is kind of like a version of that because the sort of centralized church is almost no more. They have the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem, but essentially the priesthood sure has... Levites there taking care of Yeah, them. but I mean, basically the church is broken up. It's supposed to be everywhere. Everyone's supposed to have this central God. And in uh, northern Israel, which is where he's at, you know, they're basically worshiping Baal and doing whatever the fuck they want. So I can kind of see him being like, all right, normally I would give this tithing to the church, but since there is no church, let me just go give this to Elisha. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's just a cool guy. But for whatever reason, he brings him this first uh, grain, bread made with the first grain of the harvest, and also some uh, heads of new grain as well. And Elisha says to his people, to his servant rather, you know, give this to the people to eat, to like their company of, of prophets, this huge group of men. And uh, what's the prophet's name or the servant's name? Gehazi. Gehazi says, how am I supposed to give fucking 20 loaves of bread to 100 men? Well, first off, the answer is you cut each piece of bread loaf into yeah. five pieces. Well, actually, the real first answer is shut the fuck up, Gehazi. And no one yeah. asked you to question me. I said, go give yeah. him the food. You little bitch. Um, yeah, like, it's insane. So. Elijah says, look, just go give it to the people to eat. This is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. And sure enough, they did. Cool story. That's it. That's I mean, fucking- to me, this, by the way, that's the end of four. We're done. This is the yeah. end of this episode. And that's why I said it was just one story. Because it's like, they're basically one story. Oh, there was some soup and it was poison and he made the soup good so they could eat it. And there was some bread. There wasn't enough. He made a lot of bread. It's the same. I mean, it. it's basically the same story three times. Oh, I don't have enough oil to fill these yards. Now yeah, you do, yeah, bitch. Like, true. okay, but this soup, I don't have, it's not enough soup to fill. It was like, now there is, bitch. And they're like, okay, but we got some loaves. How are we going to feed 100 <laughs> people? It's like, what the fuck did I stutter? I said, now there is, bitch. Yeah, he said that. <laughs> So basically, he's the food guy. He's he's definitely the Guy Fieri of uh, prophets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it's cool, I guess. I don't know. I mean, to me, it just sounds like unnecessary origin story, you know? Like, by the way, he did some miracle. It's like, it's like, should we even care about this Elisha guy? Like, you didn't hear? He once killed a guy in a bar with a pencil. You're like, that is pretty badass. <laughs> okay, now I'm taking him seriously. I wasn't a minute ago, now I am. Exactly. Um, yeah, well, that's two chap- three, two chapters down. Three and four. Right. It's fun stuff. What, uh... I mean, I don't want to go I feel like- too hardcore into recapping it because that was a lot of time already. But some wild shit happening. Yeah, I don't. I, it's a, so. First of all, the first chapter we read three is basically about a bunch of guys disrespecting Israel. Uh, the king of Israel's like, "Well, I'm going to go fucking stop them," and God's like, "Oh yeah, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to deliver them into your hands." And then they get there, and he's like, "Psych! I just thought it'd be cool if uh, mutilation happened and some fucked up shit happened on both sides," and then. We give up, you know. That's just a bit. It, I mean, it was not. Um, it's not good. Like if we sieged a town, and then while we're sieging them, a child starves to death. You're like, well, that's not what I expected to happen. Like, but you're the one that sieged the town, God. I don't know what. It's very true. It's weird it. that God let that be their loss when it was the people doing the child sacrifice didn't pay for it. Right. And, you know, you it's know. funny when you were like saying, like, let's look at this from the point of view of the Moabites. I thought it would be the point of the view of the Moabites are like, let's break the chains of our oppressors, these fucking godless Israelites. So they stop paying them. This yeah. war happens. They're like, oh, God, we've got it. We've got to sacrifice to our God, Chemosh. We must sacrifice. Hopefully our God, Chemosh, overthrows their God. So they do a sacrifice to Chemosh and then they win. Like, isn't yeah, that the opposite of what God's about? Isn't his whole thing overthrowing other gods and he just got fucking dabbed on? I mean, to me, this makes it pretty clear that when this was being written originally, they considered, I think, Chimash to be real. Like it worked. Yeah. Like, I think that, and the fact that, I mean, it, th- there's a subtext here that I think a lot of more modern interpretations try to cover up, that the Israelites believed in all these other gods to an extent. Like, obviously, yeah, the there's- Baal's... The Bale story kind of shows that, no, that's going away, or that he has no power here, at least. But I think there's an implication that these gods are very real. It, it is kind of weird how the Bible will sort of... I think the stance of the Bible is that these other gods are real, but powerless. Or at least not as powerful as God, that he can... I mean, it's the old sports team right. problem. The, you know? the only thing I can think of is that Elijah... With the whole have your God light a fire, it, it kind of was like – I think that was like the first instance where he's like, you know, you guys are just worshiping a bunch of bullshit, right? Like, you know, you, you've made all these altars. You've made all these statues, all these rules for a God that isn't real. Not like my God. My God's totally real. These rules – these came from God himself. Like uh, definitely yeah. Moses saw him. Um where it kind of waffles between, you know, there is only one God and everyone's worshiping nothing and they just don't realize it yet. Or – there's multiple gods. Our gods just kicks their ass. So I don't know. It seems like that. It's definitely, it seems to vary probably. It probably does vary with who's writing and when and what have you. Right. But it, uh, that one was definitely fun just to look at. <sighs> hmm. It does seem straight up and down that these guys appealing to their God beat. They won. This God. And it was outside of Israel, you know? So it was like. <laughs> and it was in it a was valley, in which we know God doesn't like valleys. That's right. Actually, he does. That was a trick. <laughs> That was his Briar Rabbit moment. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's very hard to contend with that and like put it 
to understand what what's supposed to mean. Um, obviously, there was that stupid concordance explanation that I had, but I don't buy it. I don't know. None of it makes sense. I mean, the other the chapter four is whatever. I don't know. Uh, some yeah, uh, just dumb stories. Elisha has magic. Got it. Yeah. In case you were wondering. Cool, cool, cool. I feel like it's you know, almost like basically pre-Jesus. I feel like it's almost true. like he's overcompensating. Like he's he's coming back. And he's like, "Fuck! I really thought we'd win against Moab. That looks bad on my fucking street cred." So he just racks up a couple of easy wins to like balance out his GPA. <laughs> More or less. More or less. Uh, anything else from uh, from this? What's our uh, what's our new stupid fucking Twitter handle? Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Bible Pimps. I'm getting active on there. Great. Trying to recruit a fun guest speaker. You're gonna get his band again, I'm sure. I'm not gonna get his band with a with a totally uh, innocent name like Bible Pimps. It's quality. And if uh, you don't want to, if you're not on Twitter, you want to send us an email. You can do that at revelationspodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, so, uh, any parents out there listening, if you have had children die recently and are looking for them to come back, like in some sort of weird pet cemetery situation, Cole and I are offering our profit skills to uh, bring them back to life. I'm not. Just That's give us great. some time alone with them. I mean, huh? I, I don't think... Okay, first of all, I'm not going to molest anyone's dead kid. That's not my bag. But It's not molesting if they're dead. But I but bet you, I King. bet you, I bet you, if you put an ad on Craigslist, hey, recently dead son, need man to stretch over on top of him, I bet you could get some fucking takers. Oh, Something hell to yeah. think about. It's probably more effective than essential oils. Mm-hmm.